Welcome to Regenerative Medicine Today. This is John Murphy. My pleasure to welcome to this podcast Dr. Alec Soto. Dr. Soto is a faculty member, Department of Pathology with the Liver Center at the University of Pittsburgh. Dr. Soto, welcome to Regenerative Medicine Today. Good morning. Thank you so much for the opportunity, John. So I asked you to join us today because you've recently published a paper describing how to grow livers in the laboratory. Can you describe a little bit about your findings? So we've been investigating from the cellular point of view how to create liver cells over parasites from stem cells and at the same time how to incorporate genetic engineering on them uh, to be able to create disease. And then we integrated the little tissue engineering expertise that I have and then the, a lot of tissue engineering expertise that is around the university like the McGowan. And then we put together tissue that is human and that has a genetic modification for a gene called sirtuin one And whenever you knock down that gene in that human liver tissue, it accumulates fat and created a human fatty liver, where we call screen drugs and study better the, the biology of the gene. So perhaps we can discuss a little bit about steps to get to the outcome you just introduced to. So how do you start? You start with cells? And a scaffold? Basically, you start extracting or getting fibroblasts from the skin of people or patients. And then after that, we incorporate or we design inducible systems to control gene expression that we incorporate in those cells. And then after that, we reprogram those cells that have genetic engineering systems into induced pluripotent stem cells by the technique described by the Nobel Prize, Dr. Yamanaka. So we use the Yamanaka factors to do that. And after we create stem cells from that, then we design a protocol to differentiate those stem cells into liver cells or hepatocytes as close as possible, a normal human hepatocyte. And it takes uh, about three to four stages of maturation and you expose the cells to different grown factors from definitive endoderm to hepatocyte specification or hepatic specification and then hepatocyte maturation. And then after that, after you have those cells, we actually, in order to mimic better the liver tissue, we incorporate that into decellularized rat livers, basically only the scaffold of those rat livers and we incorporate other kinds of cells that we know support differentiation of hepatocytes. And also we incorporated inflammatory cells like macrophages that we know play a role in fatty liver. And then after you have that mini human liver in a bioreactor under culture, we basically just add a molecule that starts the knocking down of the gene of interest, in this case one. And then that's when we start studying the biology of it. And we observe that in a matter of three to four days, a lot of fat accumulation, inflammation, macrophages were activated. Then we study the tissue, we study how it functions with a control tissue, and we compare, this is the really cool part that I really like most, was when we compare metabolically using different techniques of metabolomics, that tissue that we created 
to actual human tissue samples of NASH, non-alcoholic steatopatitis samples, they had around 81% similarities. So that was kind of a validation for a model. So all the process takes about three to four months per patient sample. So this cocktail that you use to start this process, can you vary it to get different outcomes? Yeah, actually you can variate it. Uh, you can add, for example, more fat at the end. You can add other kinds of cytokines or molecular aggressors to make a more aggressive disease, for example, in the tissue. We can try to address the maturation of the human tissue as well by modifying the cocktail. The important thing of this work is, I believe, that it's human tissue, that you can genetically control gene expression on that tissue, and that's the most interesting part. It could work to test new drugs that you probably, before clinical trials can go on, we could validate this model to test drugs that otherwise are dangerous to go into humans directly and it would be less expensive than managing uh, whole big clinical trials. So just to be clear, this is intended to be a research tool, not a solution to people who need a liver at this time. That's correct. So I try to approach these first as a model. So I am very much interested on liver failure and how to treat liver failure. And one of the stages of liver failure is basically fatty liver and one of them is NASH. But there are very few models that you can study that in humans, and to capture human samples is also really difficult. So then what we did was to come up with a model where we can really modify genes to study the biology of it. So I think that the whole idea of creating organs for people is one option on the table, but I believe we are far away still for that, but these work help us to understand how tissue forms, how tissue differentiates, and how we can manipulate the genes. So it's a good first step to create many human livers that could help us to create normal human livers way in the future. Very interesting. So in the laboratory, you envision having a whole set of these mini livers that you treat different ways, or do you do one or two at a time? You can do several livers at the same time, but I think my interest is we did study the biology of a gene that is related to epigenetics, so the microenvironment that caused the downregulation of this gene, and then it has consequences on fat metabolism in the liver. But I would like to combine this epigenetics with actual genetics. So they're being described many polymorphisms of single nucleotide polymorphisms, or SNPs, that have been related to liver failure, and most of them have been described just by large association studies. But it's very difficult to study what the consequences of having that little mutation in our bodies has on developing liver failure. So I've been collecting human liver samples, I've been genotyping them, and now we have a nice collection of, or a banking of cells that have these different genetic polymorphisms that are related to liver failure. And we have other polymorphisms or other cells that have polymorphisms related to resistance or protection to liver failure. And what we are going to start doing is making mini human livers from those cells 
and study the biology of those genetic modifications that basically that's what makes us humans, the differences in genetics, and combine that with epigenetics. That's one step that we are doing now. The other one is we started the process to take skin samples from patients that have fatty liver here at UPMC. And what we are going to start doing is these patients are under different kind of clinical trials, testing new drugs. For example, there is a new drug that is causing a lot of hope. It's an FXR agonist. And the problem with that drug is that only about 10 to 20% of people with fatty liver respond to it, which is awesome. But the other 80% do not, and we don't know why. So what we want to know is why. So we're going to be taking samples from these patients, making many livers from them, and comparing the metabolism in vitro versus the results in clinical trials, and hopefully we can figure out why people respond or not. And doing that, I believe we can help preclinical studies so that we can guide patients to the right clinical trial or the right therapy. We can decide to which drug they are more responsive based on making mini livers from your skin and treating those mini livers before you go into a clinical trial. So those are the two steps we are following on the biology part. So you described some of the science behind your work. Let's talk a little bit about the problem. How much mortality is there from liver failure at this point? In the United States, there is this strong infrastructure for transplantation from all the population that needs transplant, about 30 to 35% receive it. But even though we have a mortality of 30,000 people a year, and we have millions of people suffering of NASH or NAFLD, or in the process of developing fatty liver. Also, it's considered an emergency right now because it's the second cause of liver transplant. So can you describe a little bit the limitations of this particular technology? I think we have two main problems with this. One of them is that the differentiation or the maturation of the liver cells we can produce is not entirely comparable to a normal human cell. So I believe maturation is an issue and we are working on it by inducing, finding out and adding stuff into the cocktail that you mentioned before for differentiation based on normal development. So maturation is one of the issues. The other issue is the other cells, the non-parenchymal cells that we should be adding. So it's basically limitless, but it will be ideal that we can produce those non-parenchymal cells like endothelial cells, fibroblasts, mesenchymal cells, macrophages, from the same cell source of iPS cells. In this work, what we did was producing a parasite from iPS and all the other parenchymal cells were basically primary cells. So it will be ideal that we could produce the whole human organ based on iPS cells. So it's also things that we are working on. So how long does it take you to grow a mini liver? From the time we take the skin sample to the time we can have a human mini liver in a bioreactor ready to be tested for drugs, etc., it takes about, I would say, four to five months. It may seem long to some people, but it's really a short time in terms of the alternatives. As things become more industrialized and, and could be faster, 
and we could do many setting up systems. Very good. So I understand you also some activity in terms of using this technology as a screening tool. Can you tell us about that, please? Yes, so I think that making human tissue that is editable, it has a huge advantage because we can screen genes that have different functions, right? So we are creating now these mini human livers expressing gene editing tools like Cas9 and looking into Cas3 as well. So basically these mini human livers incorporate systems uh, that are editable. And then what we do is we make many libraries of guide RNAs for different kind of modifications that we want to look at. And then we just throw that to the cocktail. And we can change one gene or many genes at the same time and then study the biology of it. So I think it's also a nice tool for functional genetic screening. So thank you for sharing with us the summary of your pioneering studies. We wish you and your colleagues best wishes for the work you have outlined moving forward. Until you meet again on this podcast, we welcome suggestions and reaches at mail at regenerativemedicinetoday.com. Thanks to the McGowan Institute for Regenerative Medicine that sponsors this podcast series.